the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. God raised this man of faith up for a particular reason based on God's eternal purposes. He took this man, uniquely equipped in all the traditions and the laws of Judaism, who knew his Bible inside and out, and he set him on a different course. You know, the same can be said for you and I. I don't know about you, but when I was uh, living my life without God, I wasn't saying, Holy Spirit, come and convict me of my sin. Come and change my heart. No, I was on my own Damascus road, just like Paul, just like you. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry. For all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his teaching series from the Book of Romans, a series that he has entitled, Understanding the Faith. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. What's preached to me is not man's gospel. It's not human invention. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it by men, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently trying to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of the fathers, of my fathers. We have as a sort of a before and after picture. Before Christ, you know, he he was a legalistic, practically jihadi maniac out to destroy the church. And after Christ, everything changed. Set apart for the gospel of God. Christ changed everything in Paul's life the way he should salvation should change things in our lives as it brings about an obedience we are saved by faith but that saving faith is never alone it produces in us a love for God and a transformation this traumatic change of life startled people because Paul had been a persecutor of the church and now he wasn't of his old life we read in Acts chapter 7 Verse 58, we read about his participation in the murder of the first Christian martyr. This is the murder of Stephen. It says, they cast him, Stephen, out of the city and stoned him. 
That is a grisly, painful death. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's Paul. Now, there's some confusion about Saul, Paul, and all that sort of thing. Saul was the name he used when he dealt with Jewish people, and Paul was the name he used when he dealt with Greeks or Romans. Paul wasn't his conversion name. It was just the way he changed the use of his name depending on who he was with. At the feet of a young man named Saul, and and as they were stoning Stephen, Stephen, he called out, Stephen cries out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after he'd said this, he fell asleep, he died. And what does it say? And Saul approved of his execution. That's who we're dealing with here. If we go on to uh, Acts chapter 9, further in, uh, verses uh, 1 through 5, we read this. But Saul, this is later on, after the murder of Stephen, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, going to Syria, so that if he found any belonging to the way, any Christians there, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Here's the encounter with Christ that changed everything that changed him from the inside out, that changed the course of his life. Paul, a servant of Christ, set apart for the gospel, called to be an apostle. Jesus came looking for him. God raised this man of faith up for a particular reason based on God's eternal purposes. He took this man uniquely equipped, uniquely prepared, uniquely trained in all the traditions and the laws of Judaism, who knew his Bible inside and out, and he set him on a different course. You know, the same can be said for you and I. I don't know about you, but when I was uh, living my life without God, I wasn't saying, Holy Spirit, come and convict me of my sin. Come and change my heart. No, I was on my own Damascus road, just like Paul, just like you. So that's sort of a brief biography of the man of faith, what he was like here. Let's sort of transition and talk about the mission of faith, the mission. We find out again in in, uh, Romans 1, uh, and it starts this way. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Notice these three aspects or attributes of the mission. He's a servant of Christ. He's a servant. He does what he's told. There's nothing special about him. What makes him special is how God prepared him and used him. A lot of times in Christianity, we think it's all about us, that Jesus came to make us happy. Jesus came to make us prosperous. Jesus came to make our lives easier. Well, to the extent that we can make sense of our existence through the word of God, having understood and embraced the gospel, part of that's true. But you're going to see here, Jesus came to save us so that we can serve him. We don't, there's no role reversal there. He is the master. We are the servant. And that's why Paul has this, when he writes in Romans, he has this sequence. A servant first and foremost of Christ, called to be an apostle. He didn't deserve it. He didn't merit it. He didn't go seeking office. You might say the office came seeking him and set apart for the gospel of God. That's our mission. As a man of faith or a woman of faith, you are a servant of Christ. You were called. The Holy Spirit tugged on your heart springs, opened your eyes to your sin. You were set apart for a mission. You and I are here. We were saved to serve. Saved to go out and tell people about Christ. I want to take you back here. You can see this servant language in Luke's words in Acts chapter 9 verses 3 through 6. Watch this play out. 
You see this in Paul's life in the book of Acts by the declaration that is made here. Now, he went on his way, this is Paul, as he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Paul wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus came looking for Paul. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now look what he says, But rise, this is Jesus, But rise, enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Each of us has a mission. God has a mission for us, and he will reveal by the gifts that he gives us, by the places that he puts us, what we are to do. Paul was pressed into service. He was drafted as a servant of Christ. Later on in Acts 9, 13 through 16, God sends a messenger, Ananias, to Paul. And Ananias does not want to go because he knows who this guy is. This guy's a persecutor of the church, and he wants nothing to do with him. And so Paul Ananias, a servant, has to do what he doesn't want to do, which is part of our mission. Sometimes we're called to do what we don't want to do, things that frighten us. Verse 13, but Ananias said, answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, said to Ananias, go. Because Ananias is a servant, like Paul's about to be. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of of my name. Our mission is never easy. Paul's wasn't. Shipwrecked, stoned, beaten with rods. He's a servant of Christ. And Paul affirms this in Galatians. This comes to the whole set apart, set apart for the gospel of God. Look at Galatians 1.15. Look what Paul says about himself. Paul understands his place. He is a servant. He is called to be an apostle. He is set apart for the gospel of God. Look what Paul says. Look how he describes himself. Sort of like God described Jeremiah, I set you apart to be a prophet in your mother's womb. Paul says this in Galatians 1, 15 through 16. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Did you see that? Did you catch that? But he who had set me apart before I was born. Paul's mission wasn't accidental. It wasn't a random thing that happened to Paul. Just like God pursued Adam and Eve in the garden, just like God pursued Cain after he killed Abel, just like God came to Moses, Abraham, Moses, just like God sent the prophets to Israel, God came after Paul. He was set apart. He was raised up for such a time as that. That was his mission. The proud Pharisee, the big man on campus, the persecutor of a church was now going to have to throw everything aside that he'd lived for and as a servant of Christ, live for God and God only and do the mission that God gave him. His priorities had changed. We read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and then 10 and 11, Paul's attitude toward losing all this, toward turning away, toward turning away from the old way and putting his faith and trust in Christ. And he says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted a loss for the sake of Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Whew, can you believe Everything before he could care less about. He has one purpose. He has one priority to know him and the power of his resurrection, to fulfill the mission that he's given him, to share in the sufferings. That's the mission 
of the man of faith. That's the mission of the woman of faith. That was Paul's mission. That was Paul's calling, and it's ours. We are set apart for the gospel of God here in this church. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. That's what he says to them. And that's what he says to us through the pages of Scripture. He's under obligation. Now, some, tra- some translations have misinterpreted that word as in debt. He's not in debt to the Jews and the, bar- the Greeks or the barbarians, the wise or the unwise. He is obligated to God to reach out to these people. That is his calling. That is his mission. And that is our mission. That's what you and I are here for. We were left behind, so to speak, after we embraced Christ. We are people who were once gospel haters, rather through our apathy or intentionally. And that's all been changed. We are now dead to our sins and trespasses, alive to Christ. We are servants of Christ. That's a portrait of the man of faith, the Apostle Paul. And that's a portrait of you and I, of us, as we have embraced Christ. And as Paul had a mission to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to those who had never heard of God, to those who didn't care about God, we have the same mission. And, and we're going to share in the sufferings of Christ. There, it's not going to be all health, wealth, and prosperity or anything even resembling that. It's going to be biblical. It's going to be gospel. And we have to be eager to preach the gospel because we have received grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. We didn't deserve it. Paul talks about how he received his grace and apostleship in verse 5. He received both his job as an apostle and the power to accomplish it through the salvation that comes through Christ and in Christ alone. And his specific role was to call people from among all the Gentiles. When you look at our mission here and you look at Santa Clara County and you look at San Jose, the world has come here. People who don't know Christ are here, and we are here. We have been set apart. We have been made servants. We have been called as messengers to take the word to them as God's chosen instrument to carry his name before the Gentiles. That's Paul's mission. That's my mission. That's your mission. That's our mission. And the question is, will we embrace it? Because this is what we're called to do. This is why we're here. Now, there's some question these days as to what the message is. We've talked about the man of faith, that portrait of what he looks like and how we should look something like that. We've talked about the mission of faith. This was his calling. God raised him up for such a time as that, the way he's raised us up for such a time as this. But what is the message of faith? That's the third aspect of this portrait of a man of faith that we're going to look at right now. The third aspect. That's the message, the message of faith. Where do we see it? We see it in Romans 1, 1 through 6. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now watch this play out. Because what Paul is doing here in this greeting is laying out a prologue for the entire book of Romans. Which he, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. We are taking the message of the Messiah, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Because in Israel was born a Savior, Christ the Lord. In the line of David, as promised by the prophets, humanly speaking, related to the King of Israel just like the Old Testament promise. Verse 4, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. 
He was declared, shown to be who he was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was declared to be the Son of God because he rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of holiness there. He's no dead religious leader. He is God himself. How do we know that? Look at the end of the verse, verse 4. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Christ is the title that points to the messianic line of David, the anointed one, the promised one. Lord points to his deity. This is God in the flesh. And what else do we know? What else can we see about our message here? Through whom we have received grace, God's unmerited favor, salvation, forgiveness, and apostleship. Now, Paul is a different kind of apostle. He's a very special messenger. But in our own way, we're, we're apostles, little a, not capital A. We are messengers of Christ. Christ is the one through whom salvation comes. There is no other name given under heaven among men by which we can be saved. There's only one Savior. I know today that's unpopular, but that's what it says here. That is the message. That is the prescription for what ails the world. And look at verse 5. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of his name, for the glory of God among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ. That obedience of faith confuses some people. We are saved by faith alone through grace. But saving faith is never lonely, and it brings about a conformity to the will of God. When you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, when you have turned your back in repentance on your old way and turned toward Christ and put your faith in him, it changes you from the inside out. You know, there's a popular mythology that says you can become a Christian and never change. That's just not true. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation all things are passing away. All things are becoming. It's not just about praying a prayer or believing a set of facts. Because it says in James 2, even the demons believe and shudder. It's surrender. This is the message of the gospel that Paul took. This is the message that we are to take. We are not to tamper with the prescription. We are not to alter the recipe. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies that God would send his chosen one to save. Jesus is the son of God who came, humanly speaking, promised through the line of David. Jesus is shown to be the son of God because he overcame death, rising from the grave through the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness. He is our God. He is our Lord. And he cannot be your savior. He cannot. He is not your savior if he is not your God. There's no half in and half out here. It's all in or all out. And he is the only one through whom we can receive grace, forgiveness, and our calling as messenger. The gospel is good news of great joy, which will be for all people, Jew and Gentile alike. That is the message that we take. That is the message that Paul took. I remember listening to the radio years and years ago, and I was listening to a guy who I'd admired up until that point, regrettably, and he said, you know, when you talk to an unbeliever, don't mention the Bible because, you know, they need something practical. And don't get too theological because it's not going to make sense to them. They're going to reject it. And I remember that. I turned the radio off. I never listened to him again as long as I lived. Because you don't change the message. You don't change the prescription. Because if you water it down enough, the drug, so to speak, the prescription doesn't work. And that's the prescription that we've been given as people of faith following the example of the man of faith, the Apostle Paul, on the same mission of faith with the same message of faith. Let me show you how that works. If you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, verses 30 to 34, to me, here's Paul at pretty much his best. 
he has been brought from the Agora, from the marketplace to the Areopagus on Mars Hill. And he is with the intelligentsia of Athens. He is with the Greek philosophers who have never read a Bible, who think they're smarter than everybody else, who want to do nothing but just talk about new things. And so he engages them. He says, I can see you're religious people because you have this statue to this unknown God, and it's this God that I proclaim to you. And then he starts in with his message, and watch how he waters it down to suit the culture. He doesn't. I'll get to give away spoiler alert. Verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked. Time's up. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and that he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now there, that's going to work in the scientific age, right? Verse 32, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from among their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. That's the message. We don't change it. We don't apologize for our Bibles. We don't apologize for our faith. We don't apologize for the resurrection. We don't apologize for calling people to repentance. Now we are to be like Jesus, full of grace and truth. And if we're all truth and no grace, truth becomes a hammer or a bludgeon. If we're all grace and no truth, there's no truth at all. But we don't get to change the message. That is the medicine that cures what ails us. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you understand this, you will enjoy an emotionally and spiritually healthy Christianity. Because you will understand it. You will understand who you are, who you belong to, why you're here, why things are the way things are. As we go through the book of Romans, you're going to gain an understanding of your existence. You'll be able to make sense of your existence and the world around you, no matter what is going on at home or abroad. If you understand the faith, you will understand Christianity and you will enjoy a contentment a peace that surpasses all understanding regardless of your circumstances. You just need to understand that as a man or a woman of faith, your place is as a servant. Your mission is to deliver a message, and your message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will make the converts. You just deliver the goods. That's what we're called to do. And with this clarity, you don't have all this performance confusion, all this perfectionist confusion. You don't think it's all about you, or you don't think if I just did this better, if I was just a little more perfect... You won't go there. You won't crash and burn like that guy in the book because you've understood the gospel according to the greatest letter that's ever been written by God through men, through a man like Paul, to men and women like you and like me. So what do you do with it? Read the letter. Don't just wait to hear it from me. Read the letter, number one. Number two, look in the mirror. Is this profile of a man of faith, does, does, it, does his life, does his path, does his trajectory at all resemble yours? Is your mission his mission? Is your priority his priority? God's priority? And is the message that you've embraced and or deliver that message? Because there's only one gospel and we can accept no substitute. Otherwise, we'll be miserable. We'll be confused and we'll be driven and tossed by the wind like the surf of the sea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this greater, greatest letter that was ever written. We thank you for the gospel of God, which like God never changes. We thank you for this portrait of a man of faith and his mission of faith and his message of faith, which all comes from you. And we ask you, Father, 
in the days ahead as we study this letter, that you would use it to change us inside out, to change our attitude, to change our countenance, to change our temperament, to change our hearts so that we can change this world empowered by your spirit, informed by your word, one soul at a time. We pray this in Jesus. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Amen.